right. Hello. How are you feeling? I'm feeling good. How about yourself? Yes. I'm feeling good. Yes. That's all you need to answer. Just yes. Yes. There you go. Welcome to yet another episode of Minor Details. D Minor Details. This is uh, June, what, 21st? think so i, think I haven't the... been outside my room since 2020 oh my god well it's the beginning of summer or very close to it i've been sweating my butt off yeah miami heat is pretty bad it's like the worst thing about miami is that it's in like a it's not a full tropical setting it's like subtropical right because we're not right on the equator we're like just near the equator so what we suffer from in terms of heat is more like um humidity right exactly humidity and um that's that's the worst type of heat in my opinion i mean obviously like dry air and stuff like that that fucking sucks like in a desert or something which i have never been so i don't know the experience i've only been in this environment my whole life well not my whole life but a decent chunk of it and i could say with confidence humidity sucks just it gets it just heats up your whole body. It's like you're in an oven, a continuously on oven. But other than that, what are we talking about today? Uh, I'm not sure. I think we're talking today, about stories. Yes, today we're doing story analysis. No music. Our personal story analysis. Story analysis. Yes, we. Uh, I felt like I wanted to change it up a little bit. I wanted to see the other aspects of a video game. Obviously, I, it's good to concentrate on one thing, but it's also good to expand out and see different avenues wait but first who are we people i'm chimp oh <laughs> oh okay i thought you meant like in like a fucking metaphysical sense. yeah like who an exercise yeah who are we <laughs> we're talking about stories what's your story then well some of these stories are gonna get a little a little deep so i guess that is appropriate but yeah i am your host chimp and to my right is is um co-host marcus mr marcus yes and mr marcus the indubitably <laughs> indubitably mr marcus so yes today we're covering game stories specifically we're each going to cover our own story and we're approaching it in the sense of why we feel these stories are pretty relevant or important to any form of notion whichever you think best describes that for me, that would be to see the underlining meaning in, in these game stories and not just take them as face value. Because uh, a quote I kind of keep in the back of my brain when I come to stories is when, um, uh, when Doom was being created. I believe one of the makers said, story is akin to story in pornos. It's there, but no one gives a shit about it. And I always keep that in the back of the mind because... It's kind of somewhat true to some aspect if you're looking at it not as a gamer, right? If you're coming out from a different um, form of entertainment, that could be uh, classical music and stuff like that, and you look at video game stuff, you're like, no, that's just, that's just kids play. That's just a child's thing, right? But a lot of games do have in-depth stories. A lot of games have stories that cover meaning, cover... Uh, the purpose of not life, but like the character's motivations, how that affects the other characters and like the subtext meaning of 
your story throughout this game, which is really important, in my opinion. You can't sometimes, especially nowadays, it's hard to play a game without a story. There's usually a story in every avenue. So we decided to take what we thought was the best story elements or the best story period in gaming and just talk about it, discuss it, discuss the meanings, discuss who these characters were and what pushes them. And more importantly, what pushes you as the player character, the motivation behind that to continue on this journey. So for me, the story I picked, which I believe is one of the most important pieces of storytelling in in gaming universe, I won't say in all writing, but in the gaming universe, um, is Knights of the Old Republic 2, The Sith Lords. Would you like uh, any comment? I gotta say, I think story is important in porn. <laughs> I'm serious. Think about it. Because you always see these same themes of What's the popular one? It's always stepdad, stepbrother, stepmom. Like they wouldn't add this Wait, shit. Wait, whoa, 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 whoa. That's the only stepdad, stepbrother, stepmom. It's always step something. Like there's some some, some seems to be some sort of fetish for people like I don't know. Like Okay, let's chill because we live in Miami. We're in the South. I don't want people getting the wrong ideas about us. But what, what I'm trying to say is that like they wouldn't add these stupid little themes. Yeah, like no one's looking deeply into the story, but to an extent that surface part of the story still has to be there because it adds a level of eroticism to the person enjoying the, the porn. I would say it would add more immersion. Exactly. That's, that's what I'm trying to say. Not it, trying to break down conceptual ideas of how to fuck a pussy. <laughs> so, but like, so let's, let's take that same concept and move to something like, like, um, like Mahjong or, 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 or Pachinko. Like these are really popular in Japan and they'll actually put story into them, which makes no yeah. sense. Well, I could kind of get that one only because Konami, uh, they decided not to do any games anymore and just do pachinkos. And they add the little miniature stories of like the characters of Silent Hill and Metal Gear. And does that really like does it really add to the game? I would argue yes to some people who are really into Silent Hill or Metal Gear. Like, oh, yeah, like it kind of adds that like that feel. I mean, so, kind of, but. The thing is, is that you're going there to play pachinko. And I'm watching porn for a certain reason. But without yeah. that missing element, it would feel kind of dry. Like, okay, now we can improve on this. You know? <laughs> okay. All right. But Mr. Porn, porn Master Chimp here. Who brought up porn? But anyway, let's talk about it. All right. So let me, yeah, let me begin. So the reason why I chose Corridor 2 is because a lot of the underlying messages of Corridor 2 is consequence. When you do things, bad things happen. But Corridor subverts that sometimes in the sense of the old classic, the the uh, what's the saying? The noble noble intentions lead to uh, bad outcomes, or path to hell is paved with, with good noble, intentions. With good intentions, yes, that. It's that quote to the to the teeth. So just a brief summary of the game. So the gameplay takes place on 3951 BBY or roughly 4000 years before the first film, which is The Phantom Menace. Uh, for those of you who don't know, BBY is B, uh, 
I believe, the before Battle of Yavin, which is the first movie when they go to attack the Death Star. Um, because that's the Battle of Yavin. They're on the Yavin base, and the Death Star is trying to blow up Yavin, the moon of Yavin. Gotcha. So this game takes place four years after the first quarter game, which was in 3947 BBY. Now, what happened during those four years is that, one, a major war has gone, has gone about, which was in the first game, which is in the second game called The Jedi Civil War. Now, this is just a hint to how this game plays with names and, and subjects the uh, ideas of like the Jedi and stuff. Because it's called the Jedi Civil War. But if you're a fan of Star Wars, you would know it was a war between the Sith and the Jedi. And there's obviously difference between the two. The Sith try to gain power through force. And if they're, if they're Sith force sensitives, they use the force as a tool. Now, the Jedi are the complete opposite. They're all about self-sacrifice. They're all about doing for what's the greater good. And they use the force as an ally. They work side with side with the force. But the regular people, the people who are not involved in these Jedi politics and Sith politics, what do they see? They just see people with laser swords. To them, it doesn't matter if you're using the force to shoot lightning or using the force to heal wounds. To them, these are just two different ideologies hitting against each other, all rooting from the same order the jedi order because if it wasn't for the wars to happen there would have been there would have not been a war but unfortunately because of the actions of the jedi during the first incursion of the war they kind of undermine everything they preach so and again it relates back to that term jedi civil war and that's a very important notion throughout the whole story of the game. Because this civil war is the antithesis, uh, anthe- uh, what's the word? Antithesis? Uh, yeah, it's like the top of the mountain or something. Yeah, yeah, it's like, yeah, it's like that leads to every major bad decision to happen throughout the universe, right? So the galaxy is recovering from this Jedi civil war during the conflict, your main character who's known as the exile, who is we're, and I'm going by the Canon side of how this um, character is designed, which is a light side female named Mitra Surik. Now she was a general during this Jedi civil war and she was on the side of Revan and Revan is a fallen Jedi from the first game. Now I won't want to get into Revan too much because this more important about the second game than the first game but just to let you know Revan is a very important character he's the one that one saved the galaxy from a a, a different war but also returned right after that war to cause devastation and destruction among the republic which led to the Jedi civil war so during the this war, your character activates a super weapon near the end of the war called the Mass Shadow Generator. Now, the only way I can explain this is basically it's a weapon to weaponize gravity. So essentially, when this activated, it forced 
all the ships in orbit and anything else to just collide with the planet's crust and is now forever stuck in that mass gravitational pull. So during this, this caused something to happen within your character. Now, remember, your character is a Jedi. More importantly, she's a general. So she's obviously someone who's a little bit more powerful than your regular Jedi. And what happened when she ordered the activation of this weapon, it caused such crazy amounts of destruction that it actually caused a wound in the Force. Meaning that the Force has been injured in some way. And not only that, but it's causing weird anomalies throughout the Force. And your character, the only way to save herself subconsciously, I mean, I'm subconsciously cut herself off from the Force. Now imagine, the only way I could relevate this to anything, imagine in the, remember in the first film when Obi-Wan felt the death of Onderon? He was yeah. sitting there and he's like, you know, that the Onderon, that's, it's gone and blah, blah, blah. Imagine that, but a Jedi right there, just facing it right in front of it. All the loss of life and everything in that instant caused such a major infraction within the Force that it caused an anomalies. Now, she had to cut herself off from the Force, and this is kind of unheard of. You see, in the Star Wars universe, the Force is always, if you're a part of the Force, if you could feel it, there's no way to stop feeling it. It's essentially, once it's on, it never turns off. And that can go in and mess with your emotions and your feelings and um, your identity and all that. So she had to make an unwilling choice to cut herself off. So when you say cut yourself off, um, does that mean... So she can't feel the force anymore, but no. that, that also means she can't manipulate it? She can't manipulate it. Okay. She can't feel it. And the very important thing about the force is that the force is an ally to a Jedi in the sense of it's what causes them to see precognition, see things a little bit ahead of time. It, it messes with how they walk, how they see themselves, how everything. The, a Jedi identity is around the force. Without the force, there is no Jedi, right? So to save herself, she cuts herself willingly, and then the story starts when your character's on a ship coming back to known space after she has left space for some time. So the major plot themes of this game, as I mentioned at the beginning, is about the consequences of actions and how like the, 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 you could pave a way to the... the the, the 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 hell thing you know um the good intentions usually end up with bad results but more so with individual characters inside themselves in the sense of your character is a general jedi who had to one activate a super weapon that not only killed the enemy but killed her own men her own jedi so imagine being a jedi you're whole purpose of life is self-sacrifice and you have to make that decision because if you don't make that decision then the war continues on and it just affects other planets so it was an ultimatum type of thing so her identity at that moment was essentially lost everything your character built beforehand is now gone and done because not only did you lose the connection to the force you've also killed a lot of people and throughout the result of this war, there's very few Jedi left in the world. And funny enough, 
while you're playing through the game, you realize that through war, the only ones who really suffer are those unfortunate enough to be caught in the crosshair. So for a lot of people, again, they only saw laser swords against two sides. And it didn't matter who you fought for. What matters is that the destruction they caused. So throughout the game, you visit different planets. Of course, it's a Star Wars game. So you have to go visit. You have to go do world exploring, right? But the major difference between this one and the old one, the first quarter game, is that when you went to the, in the first quarter game, you went to all these planets and it was kind of like a, an adventure. It was, it was like, it felt like a Jedi adventure. It felt like your standard Star Wars movie into a sense where you get the call to action, you go out, there's a big crazy reveal, and then, you know, you continue on the light side of things, right? Quarter two makes you visit planets that have been affected by war in the sense of the first, one of the first planets you visit called Nar Shaddaa, it's mostly a uh, criminal underground type of planet. And there's no regulation of any kind and whatnot. And the refugees have been flooding in from all wars. Again, as I mentioned, there's been two wars in this universe so far, which was the Mandalorian Wars and the Jedi Civil War. So now both of these people suffering from war come together at this single planet called Nar Shaddaa. Again, a criminal underbody with no government regulation of any kind. It's, and just to explain how bad it is, it's known as Nal Hutta. And that's a planet owned by the Huts. If you remember, uh, what's his name? Um, Jabba the Hutt. Jabba the Hutt, yes, correct. And they're, they're criminals, they're gangsters. And what are they doing? They're taking advantage of these refugees. They're trying to find any way to suck up anything they could, can from these refugees. Now, when your character comes to the planet, the first thing your character notices is that in a place filled with criminal underbelly and all this, the force is strong on that planet. And it's strong for a different, different amount of reasons. It's not strong because it's a dark side planet. It's not strong because it's a light side planet. It's strong because all these people have conjugated to this one point, all bringing their emotional baggage and all their emotions. And what it's doing to the planet on the force scale, it's causing infractions within the force. Again, another anomaly. And your character seems to be the center root of all these anomalies. So throughout pain and destruction, the nature of the world has changed. Which is another thing to keep in mind about the subtext of this story. Is that war changes the natural order of things. Completely. Not just a little bit. Completely. Think about after World War II, after the Civil War. Reconstruction is always such a pivotal part of history. Because it's the after-destruction, obviously. It's how you rebuild to see how the future will recover from a war. And Kodor continuously hits on these points. But also brings in the different perspective of, well, if the Jedi are so good how could they have not prevented this, right? They're all seeing, they're all knowing, but at the end of the day, this happened. And what happened? Half of their orders executed and they're being hunted. So unfortunately, 
with that first planet you run into, you already run into a crazy amount of themes. And just one little part I would like to talk about within the gameplay, there's a moment where one of your NPCs named Kreia comes in and offers you advice on a situation. The situation was you either give credits to a poor man, asking for it, begging, or you don't. And no matter which option you choose, she's going to disapprove of what you do. And it's because fundamentally she believes that you cannot help people. To help people or give them suffering or cause great suffering to them. Because one, if you help them, you rob them of the ability to overcome their own um, their own plight. Their own plight, yes. And now they're always looking out seeking guidance. Or they become a target themselves because they gain something they have not earned, only making them a target. Makes them weak in a sense. In a sense, yes. But here's the other aspect. Now, if you say no and threaten to kill him, you have brought great suffering to this person. Now, why did you do that? That was for nothing. You, you caused this person great pain for no apparent reason, right? And... For doing that, the only thing you did was make that person angry with themselves and the world around them so that anybody coming in to give an offering hand, they might just fucking steal from them. They might just continuously uh, share that suffering. And the whole point of that is to underline the meaning of the, Jedi, the, the regular Star Wars tropes of the light side is good and the dark side is bad. In actuality, it's you made a decision, and there's a consequence to that decision, whether it was a good intention one or a bad intention one. So that was just the first planet you run into. And there are other planets you run into. I won't get into great detail about them. But this is just to share the notion that this is a story about the consequences to anybody's action. And also to underline the Sith and the Jedi. To not just show them as one is the pivotal of light and one is the pivotal of evil, but more they're just people with power. And what do people with power want? More power. Even if it's a good aspect. Because the Jedi might do a lot of good for the universe, but at the same time, they will ignore outer rim planets. Meaning that, um, you know, planets on the outer rim of a galaxy because uh the important thing to remember the republic worked side by side with the jedi they made like a contract like thousands of years ago but their alignment is to the core worlds the you know worlds closer to the core of where the republic is it's literally at the center of the universe and it's just showing that again either or it doesn't matter it's just people with power and it's does it benefit them or does it take away from them, right? And that's just, again, one planet. So then another planet I would like to mention very quickly is Dantooine. Now, Dantooine was in the first game, and it was actually where the major Jedi people, like the Jedi Masters, when they trained you in the first game, that's where they conjugated. Now, in the second one, it's a ruin. It's straight up ruins. It's destroyed. There's no Jedi there whatsoever. Animals have started taking over again. And the funniest thing about it, which I find hilarious about the whole planet, is that the people 
just the regular common people all blame the Jedi. They all blame the Jedi for what happened to them just because they were there. It's not because they, they, they fought for them for good intentions or anything. It's just because the fact they were, they were there made them all a target. So again, it comes back to that where the Jedi, they're supposed to be these great people of justice and whatnot, but the, just their sheer presence causes other people to be in danger. It's kind of like Batman, you know, where he has to wear the mask to protect not himself, but the loved ones he has. But it goes back to that whole, again, situation. Because the Jedi have decided that, one, they're the only ones who know, who should know the only things about the, 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 the Force. In, in, in a sense, they're gatekeeping information. And two, they're the ones that know best for everybody. Which, again, as I mentioned, just their sheer presence on a planet is a danger to the people around them. So it kind of undercuts everything they kind of mention in this form of saving and self-sacrifice. But that's just a little, that's my interpretation of the story for that part. Now I want to get into the characters themselves. I've spoken a little bit about the exile and whatnot, but let me just run through the NPCs you travel with. Now, just a quick uh, disclaimer. I'm not going to go over every NPC. I'm going to just give a short description and just their name and just say who they are because I mostly want to get into Kreia, which is essentially the reason why I replay Star Wars Kodor 2 because that character is so great. But So first, you get uh, Atten. Atten. Atten is a smuggler. Think of Han Solo, right? But throughout conversations with him, you find out he's actually a veteran of both wars. And here's the crazy thing. He's a human. He's just a regular person. And he developed techniques to kill Jedi. A regular guy. He's no one special, literally. And the game goes out of the way to kind of say he's kind of no one too special. I mean, he kind of hides his abilities, but he puts out the front of a fool. And this kind of is like a harken back to Yoda. You know, Yoda, when you first run into him, he's just like clown of a character. Arr. Yeah, like, Arr. but then you find out he's like the Jedi master. Now, Atten is kind of the reverse of that. He acts like a fool. He purposely acts all that so he could hide himself. He's not trying to... Like, Yoda was making all that to see how Luke would respond to him. To see if he was a good person. To see if he wouldn't, like fucking shoot him just like you know get the fuck out of my food you stupid green gr gremlin right Atten does it to protect himself because he's afraid he's a he throughout one of his missions he's been forced to see the other side right because he learned techniques to separate himself from the killings but then when he's forced to see the other side to see witness the perspective that he's been causing to others a new emotion forms that he never really dealt with before, which was guilt. So throughout the whole story, it's a fool just running away from himself. Now, if you go a light side, which is the canon version, what you do is you make him confront himself. Essentially you make him, sh you show him that even though he did this really bad action, there's still a chance for redemption. There's always a chance for redemption. Hold on. Talk a little bit more about like, 
Because you, you're saying um, you're, you go between the um, you could choose dark side or light side. Like, what does that mean exactly? Like, what are the what are these decisions? It's just a, it's just alignments. It's literally um, you either save people or just treat people like shit. Right. Okay, so it's so it's, it's 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 not like it's not like at the start of the game you decide to go to the dark side or the light side, but like it's no, it's a natural progression. Different decisions yeah, that you make. You make different decisions, and okay. based on that, th- that part I'm not too much on because again, in that terms of the game, it's usually just like help this person or don't help this person. I understand. The okay. only time it really affects, in my opinion, in a story wise, is on your NPCs, right? Because again. With Atten, he did something terrible. I don't want to give away too much. I still want to like. I, I still you, want I people to play the game and stuff like that. But, but essentially, your decisions influence the ones those close to you. Those close to you, but not, but not only that. But it's also a meta sense too, because the thing with your character, since she's a force wound, the thing your character doesn't understand yet is that a wound constantly takes from people around them it takes the force it saps the force from them and not only that it's also a mirror reflection of yourself it's kind of like you look into the abyss and the abyss looks back that's your character in a physical form right and that's why the only way for atten to fully overcome everything to fully overcome the great tragedy is he needs to see himself and that's your character you're the literal mirror to him and he and and again, depending on which alignment you choose, you could either choose redemption, basically saying the person did that to you so they could open up your eyes to see the other perspective, to see the other what you've been doing to people because you created these techniques for so long that you just cut yourself off from the other side. Or if you go evil, which is a little bit more uh, malicious you could manipulate Atten into thinking that what that person did was another form of control. And this is what I like about the game, by the way, is that there are light side and dark side alignments, but through the context of the NPCs, it's more of like, did this person help you or did they just try to stab you in the back? And it's on your character to, either manipulate them or be that mirror so that's essentially atten a very important character again a fool but he plays a fool then you have um Beodur. Beodur is actually a person who served under you during the uh, jedi civil war he was a technician and here's the crazy part he's the one who created the mass shadow generator now you could imagine his plight, right? He created a powerful weapon. It's kind of like the, um, what's the word? It's the, um, uh, the name is slipping me right now, um, Oppenheimer. It's like an Oppenheimer type of situation where he created the atomic bomb and then severely regretted it after creating it. Right. But it wasn't like, but for, for both of them, it wasn't, they were forced to do it. I mean, to a sense they were, but it was to see if they could do it, right? Is to just test the scientific stuff behind it, see if they could make it. Yeah, they were just pursuing knowledge and its limits. And its limits, correct. So Baeldur, again, he's a survivor of both wars, but he joined the war because he wanted revenge. 
He wasn't looking to save people. He wasn't looking to help the innocent. He wanted revenge against his enemies. So unfortunately, this character, what they drag with them their whole lives, his whole life is guilt for creating such a mass weapon, killing both sides. Um, <clears throat> sorry. The guilt and the, um, uh, the other word, um, I guess the, uh, the regrets too. He holds a lot of regret because regret for joining the war, not, not joining, but going out to kill for vengeance. Mm, gotcha. So Bale Durr again, he's a very pivotal character in one part of the game. And, um, he serves as a reminder of your character's past because he's always there with you and he won't explain why exactly why he's there with you he just tells you in a sense like i have a there's a calling and i'm just following it right and you could argue that's just the force wound the main character has just influencing him but i have a feeling that the two are more closer than that because they're the only ones that truly understand the full pain that they caused it was your main character nodding to the orders to order the activation of that weapon, right? So you can't have one without the other, essentially. So that's Beodur, just a little short description. Um, an interesting part about this game, too, is that if you're male or female, you get two different characters for NPCs. To, uh, just one. You either get Handmaiden as a male or um, Disciple as a female, right? And just to quickly continue this on, um, I'm not going to go into the male version because, again, I'm going with the canonical side, which is light side female. And through that, you get a character named Disciple. And Disciple, that's literally his name, Disciple. And the funniest thing about it is that he's um, a person who's chasing the Jedi because he was supposed to be a Jedi. And he only looked up to one teacher, the one teacher that he thought could train him to be the best Jedi, which is your character. Because remember, before going to war, your character was a part of the Order. So she had uh, responsibilities to go see Padawans and to train little Padawans and stuff like that. And Disciple first came in at the beginning of the war to be tested, to see if he could be able to use the Force and be able to use it in a way that won't lead to the dark side. But since your character left the war, it left him with a like, great conflict within himself because he ended up following the Jedi in the sense of he didn't go to war because he agreed with the Jedi not to go to war. But throughout that whole thing, he denied himself the rightful path that he was supposed to follow, which was that of a Jedi. So through your character, you could continue the training and make him into the Jedi that they were supposed to be. Or again, make him into the dark side part. And through that, you show him the ignorance of the Jedi. You show him that they lie. You show them that, um, that they owe that like the Sith, they're only going to just keep trying to grasp for whatever power they can again for noble or, or, you know, through noble intentions, but through the outside views of everybody else, it's just a bunch of, uh, religious fanatics gaining power in a government, Right. So there's that character. There's HK-47. Very quickly, he's an assassination droid designed by uh, the first character 
in Corridor 1, the main character, Revan. Um, he's interesting because uh, he just he knows a bunch of techniques on how to kill people, obviously, for assassin droid. But more specifically, he knows methods of killing Jedi and Sith. And to him, it didn't matter. Because to, to um, his master, which was Revan, they were just political enemies. They weren't enemies in the sense of they were against him, but they were in his way of achieving what he wanted, whether it was Sith or Jedi. He killed both, but he didn't care. He had his own agenda. He had his, he, yeah, he, he, Revan had his own agenda. Exactly. Yeah. And um, HK is just the follower, right? After that, you got Vizsus Mar. She is a rare creature within herself. She's known as a Mariluka. Mariluka is essentially a blind person, but they only see through the Force, right? And her whole people have been killed. It was killed suddenly, without weapons, without anything. What happened is that the, one of the major uh, antagonists of the game in the second one noticed that there was a planet full of force sensitives. And this main evil guy, his name is Darth Nihilus, right? And of course, subtext nihilism, you know, it's like a little callback. I mean, that's pretty obvious, you know, right? But the reason why he's kind of like connected with nihilism is because he doesn't really have a bad or evil. He's not really for good or evil. He's known as the Lord of Hunger. And the reason why is because he's, relied on the force to live for so long that that's the only thing to keep him alive literally the force and it's literally eating it like literally taking the force and using it as a way to energize himself and what happens when that happens a whole planet dies of force sensitives like that instantaneously what's a force sensitive a force sensitive is just somebody who could feel the force so like any jedi a Jedi is more of like they follow the code of the Jedi, while Force-sensitive is just somebody who just happens to feel the Force. And they don't, you know, they don't really choose a side. Because the whole thing with the Jedi, you're only a Jedi if you follow the code of the Jedi. But you're still... But you're, so, okay, so you could be... In other words, they're all Force-sensitives, but... Yeah, exactly. That's but it's like they're all force sensitive, but one chooses a side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I While like you could be like a force sensitive and just not choose a side, just yeah, live yeah. your life, you know, like a regular person, right. which this planet was. This planet was living their life like regular people. And again, all got killed because of results of war, because how this person became was result of war. And again, it's just another little subtext of how war just continuously you could kill you could stop the war, but the ideas of those wars, the, the, the influences of what started it will never truly die because you can't kill ideas. You know, ideas either continue existing through like books or like verbally telling people or it gets lost. Bullets can't silence ideas. Yeah, exactly. Or blasters in this case. <laughs> blasters can't silence it. But... She's a Mariluka. Her whole planet has been taken away from her. When she was on the planet, she was the only survivor, and her master, who is the person who ate the fucking planet, quote-unquote, forced her to see. And what did he force her to see? The death of all things. Because in his mind, in his 
life, what he sees is the death of the force or not the death of the force, but all every living being only exists to feed him. Because again, he is the Lord of hunger. He hungers for the force. He, he's hungry. He's a hungry boy. <laughs> and, um, and again, without it, if he doesn't have the force sustaining him, he will stop. He would just stop existing in all in a literal sense. So when I went back to say the identity of the force wound is your character. Hunger is this guy. He is the full representation of just continuously eating, continuously causing destruction, causing all this mess, mayhem, because he just needs to survive. Now, would we say that's a bad thing or a good thing, right? He's killing innocents. He literally is, but it's the only way for him to live. Is he being selfish for just wanting to live, right? I mean, again, I would say yes, but he's a, he's a Darth, he's a Darth Lord of the Sith. That's why he forced Mrs. Mar to see his point of view because he tricked her into thinking all life just exists to feed him. Because how did he how how did he survive? He continuously ate the force. After doing that for so long, I would imagine that's what you think your existence is. And then you have to justify your own existence. And that's what he did. He justified himself. He basically told her, and I'm shortened this very like this whole conversation very short he basically told her that just because he exists means that he has purpose and that purpose is to eat what else is there to do so unfortunately he kind of falls in the realm of like he is evil but he's only evil because he just wants to survive it's even pointed at some points that He's doing. He's not even a man anymore. But is he capable of sustaining himself in other ways? No. So he only can survive by only, because he's literally the force at this point. He's eaten so much that the force is the only thing giving him sustenance. And near the end of the game, when you when you cut him off from the force, what happens to him? He literally disappears. And the mask is the only thing that's left. He has a mask, very notable mask, and it's the only thing that's there. It's And the funny thing is, it's the reverse of Obi-Wan. Remember Obi-Wan, the first film, he sacrifices himself because he knew it wasn't his time. To, it wasn't him, his destiny to defeat Vader. It was for the, the son to do it, right? While, um, while Nihilus, the Lord of Hunger, he did everything for himself. Everything was just for him to feed himself, to, to continue war, to just feed his hunger. And at the end, he just died. He just zapped out of his existence like he never existed, right? And again, it's coming back to my, what I think the subtext of this story is, is you can't kill an idea. It will just continue to live on, right? He may disappear, but all the things he did is going to, like, stamp his place in time of history because the ideas of those wars still continue on but that was darth nihilus and Vissus. now and there's there's another npc called goto i won't go over him i hate him there's hanhar uh wookie mad wookie that's it <laughs> uh there's uh mirai who's a little bit more interesting she's a mandalore and her people were she was kidnapped by mandalorians 
And just a quick rundown what a Mandalorian is. They're a warrior race. And um, they're, you know, Boba Fett? It's old Boba Fett. It's like his people. Uh. So they're they're a warrior culture, and they're the ones that started the first ma- uh, major war, the Mandalorian Wars. And um, during this war, they adopted a policy of whatever world they conquer. Instead of... Um, subjugating the people to them or whatever they just adopt them into their society forcibly they forcibly adopt them into their society because one during war it boosts up your numbers um two it kind of they take the survivors and they show them why they survived through different aspects but the ones they don't want is the one that survive through luck right they want the ones that survive because they had to do something to survive for Mira and her family. I believe it was like they had to kill another Mandalorian. And um, when the Mandalorian saw them and saw that another Mandalorian was dead, they, they thought in their minds, that's prospect. You know, that's, that's like a good thing. We need to adopt them in our military. So that's the most interesting part about her. Now, again, all these NPCs are known as the lost Jedi because in the game, if you increase your influence with them, which is through decisions you make. So if you have your party with you, if you have um, Mira and a uh, disciple on your team and you help a man, like you just help some random person, it increases their influence. You're standing with them, right? And um, the higher the influence, the more chances you have to uh, take your NPC and turn them into a Jedi. Because again, you kind of serve as their reflection and you show them that they have potential. And not only that, since your character is a force wound, and is an anomaly in the force itself, they subconsciously gather toward her. And um, the reason why that is, is because the force wound in the aspect of the story and the subtext is just, just, is just to show that the force isn't this, it, it's a magical thing. It's a, it's a, it's a written wise, it's just meant to be magic, Right. Um, in the original series, they just need to explain how to do space magic, right? But in Corridor 2, they kind of break down the force saying, well, if you could cause this amount of destruction, will it cause an unnatural sense of the world, right? Will it bend the world in some form of aspect? And in the game, it kind of clarifies that. It says, yes, you know, um, with all this destruction, hate, and all these guilt, it causes abnormalities in the force, and through your character, being the force wound, being the thing that's just going around sucking everything up. This also explains, very quickly, side note, how you gain experience in the game. It's just a meta way of explaining that. Because um, when you kill an enemy, you get experience points, right? But in the um, canon, in the metaverse, that's the force wound sucking their life energy and giving it to your own to power yourself up. That reminds me of Legacy of Kane, Soul Reaver. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, they had something like that, right? Yeah, like you like uh, as you kill someone and then like you like take in their like their life force and like that's your health. So like when you, like you don't really die. Like when you die, you really go back to being like like some sort of like like Spectre. Spirit. Yeah. yeah, Spectre exactly. Um. In that in that form, yeah, it's like taking their their life and then replenishing your own, right? In um, Kodor, it's that, 
but also in the sense of your character's you is manipulating the force in a way that she doesn't understand completely herself and is subconsciously uh, draining the force from any being. Because remember, all beings share, all beings uh, have the force within them. It's just the force sensitive thing. It's just who could feel it, who are able to manipulate it, right? right. And the thing is that throughout those actions, you know, you, you um, take the powers of all these, both light and good. So it kind of clarifies that your character is kind of like a weird thing in the force. But all that talking aside, the last NPC character I would really like to cover is Kreia. Now, Kreia is the most important character in the whole Star Wars universe, in my opinion. Kreia, she was a Jedi. More specifically, she was a historian. So she collected all the history lessons of all the Jedi and stuff like that. But she tended to kind of look past the Jedi and the Sith and said to fully understand the Force, you need to see all aspects of the Force, which makes sense, right? But you got to understand, to us, that makes sense. But to the Jedi, that's... Heresy. Yeah, in a sense, it's heresy because... What does it mean to learn at all aspects of the Force? Well, that also means the dark side. To be able to fully understand the Force, you need to be able to go to, to be a dark side person and a light side person, right? But the problem with Kreia in most cases is that most of the students she trained, they just pick one thing and just excel in that, which undermine her whole teachings, just to explain, Right? She is a character that believes that, again, when I told you with the NPC conversation, she believes that if you help people, you just rob them of their own way of gaining their own strength, right? And she believes that to a teeth. She believes that the Jedi Order in itself is, fa is a fallacy. She also believes that the Sith itself is also a fallacy because they're only on the extremes of both ends, and they never come into the middle to fully understand each other's perspective. Because what happens when a Jedi looks to the dark side of things? They just kind of stay there. Because what happens is that they just fall in too far, right? That they, there's no way, there's no redemption or anything. Now, look at the other side. If someone becomes like a fully light person, they're trying to save everyone, but they can't. You can't save everyone in the galaxy, Unfortunately, some people are going to have to suffer. And through that suffering, people will look at you as the pinnacle of light and say, well, why didn't you help me? And that's the whole conflict within the ideologies of the force of itself. Now, just to undermine a little bit of things, I just want to first mention a quote that I really, really enjoyed uh, that this person wrote on the internet. It's on a um, Reddit page, 2016 Reddit page by uh, KCBSR. KCBSR in the morning. Most people, I think, fall in... Uh, well, no, sorry. Um, let me repeat that. Kreia's valuable contribution, I think, is making us understand that picking the obvious right thing to do may not produce the best consequences. Thus, our two moral system, the right thing to do and the best result, uh, best results sometimes conflict. 
which is a very important notion to her. She believes that you need to position yourself no matter which side you are. You need to position yourself in a side that gets the most and max amount of benefit, whether that's people suffering or that's people benefiting from it. And it shows in the gameplay sometimes because sometimes when you do good things and she calls you out on it, you could counteract her argument and say, well, if I help this person, they're going to just give me more information on how to find so-and-so. And through that thinking, she's like, all right, I see your point now. Because again, it's not about you did the bad thing or right thing. It's about did you position yourself in a place where you gain the most? And that's her whole philosophy. And the biggest thing, she is the main antagonist of the game. She's also known as Darth Treya for betrayal, right? Obviously. But her main goal is what makes the whole story of this game. And that goal is, very simply, to kill the Force. And she doesn't explain exactly what that means because when you come to that uh, realization near the end, I thought to myself, well, what happens if the Force dies? Does that mean people who feel the Force, they themselves kind of lose connection and probably go mentally insane or something? But does that? But through the, throughout the game, it shows that people who are not force affiliated still suffers the consequences of those with the force affiliation. So how would that affect people? Now the only reason why she wants a death in the force, and she only sees it, the death of the force happening through your character, because again, your character is a wound in the force. She has an ability to force suck everything around her without even realizing she's doing it. And what Kraya wants to do is amplify that by creating another event like the mass shadow generator and then through that kill the force. Because unfortunately, she believes that the force has a will, which may not sound like very changing, like whatever. But when I first read this and saw this, it changed my whole aspect of Star Wars. Because the longest time I always thought the force was something that was just a natural energy. It was just an, like it was like the life stream in Final Fantasy. It didn't have like a will. You know, it was just the people who used it that used it for good or bad. But Kreia's argument is no. Because if you look out throughout history, in the Star Wars history, there's always wars between the two Sith and Jedi. It's always Sith versus Jedi. And her argument is that's the force trying to balance itself out and that's why it has a will because it's trying to force a balance a balance that can't happen naturally um it needs to be affected you know an outside source needs to affect it the only way i could describe that is um when i say balance in the force that that goes to akin to the movies because anakin is the prof the prophesized one right he is the one to bring balance in the force but what does he do specifically he kills he kills all the jedi and then kills the emperor and essentially that is where the the balance is when no one's abusing it that's true <laughs> so kreia she's very she uses the force herself and she akins her using the force as her being a poison master she uses something that she will never use her, that she doesn't want to use herself. You know, she knows how to use the poisons, but doesn't mean she likes using it. So 
she gains power from something she hates. And every time she uses it, she just hates herself a little bit more. Because remember what I told you, she believes that you can't, you need to um, overcome your own adversity. How can you overcome your own adversity if you always had the force to help you? And Kreia is the pivotal of the anti-Jedi tropes. You know, the Jedi aren't always good. They lie. She was a Jedi herself, and she lied. Even when she was a Jedi, she lied to other Jedi. Because she told them there are no other ways to learn about the Force when she herself knew about the dark side of the Force. And the thing with the dark side, just to clarify, not all Jedi know about it. You know, if you're raised in a society where there's just a strict code, you're going to live your life by that code, right? And the Jedi make it so to think about the other side, not even to think about it. Just, oh, sorry, acid reflux. It's just to cut that all off. Cut off attachment, cut that all off. And Kreia, through being a historian, learning that she's gatekeeping information. Information that should be taught because if you learn the other side, it only just tends to make your understanding of it complete. But again, she sees the her own infallacies that she lied herself as a Jedi. And what is a Jedi when they just are themselves? Are they a dark Jedi or are they just a person, right? And again, it underlines that whole thing of you can't kill I- ideas, Identity is something you create yourself. And this is why I really like Star Wars. Because uh, Kodor, Knights of the Old Republic too, Because again, it presents all those things I explain, all those themes and all those concepts of war and everything into a way that's a pretty fun game, in my opinion. Um, the music is so fucking on point with it, right? Um, the environments, it, it's a strange beauty. Because all the environments you go to, they're usually fucking busted up places. You know, they're places that have suffered scars from war. But it's kind of those, like, beautiful scars, right? You see the scar and you learn the history of it and you realize, oh, this is why it's like this, right? It's either because the Jedi arrogance or the Sith aggression. And again, the whole underlying theme of Star Wars is to understand the consequences of your action, whether they're good or bad. That no matter what you do, no matter which side you choose, there's always going to be a consequence to that. And, you know, you could, you could say, that's well, that's relevant to everything, right? But for me as a kid, when I was playing this, I always assumed the Jedi were like the pinnacle of good. Now, imagine playing this game as someone who's a big fan of the Star Wars series, young too, and is learning that, well, wait a minute. The regular people don't see them as these like, pinnacle of just truth and justice they're just people they're just religious fanatics that are more powerful than you they're not more powerful than you and that is a best example Uh, what you just said is probably atten right so i i I don't believe that so someone who can manipulate the force and has these lightsabers isn't more powerful than you they don't have power over you well it depends because if you're fighting a Jedi, right? Um, their main prerogative is going to be protecting. Oh, code. Okay. No, okay. no, 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 no. I'm saying like as a regular person, if you're fighting a Jedi, because Atten explains this. If you're fighting a Jedi, it's not that hard. 
what you do is you gun down the person next to them who's not a Jedi. And then what are the Jedi going to do? They're going to try to save that person. Bam. Gotcha. Now you have an open opportunity to attack a Jedi. And that's what, and this is what makes Adam pretty cool um, is because, again, he taught himself a bunch of techniques, but this wasn't a technique he taught himself. This is just something he saw in the Jedi code and said, I could use this against them. Right? Because, again, a Jedi's life is self-sacrifice, right? You try to gun down their friend, they're going to break their position or they're going to break their concentration even just for a second to save that person. And that's all a person needs to take down a Jedi, really. They just need that one moment of distraction. And then at the end of the day, what do you have? You have a person with a laser sword. Sure, they have the force, but they're not going to try to like crush your skull or use force lightning. They're not going to use the force in an offensive matter. They're going to use it in a defensive matter. Now, that's why it goes to, to the Sith side of things, right? Well, it's like, well, let's say you don't have those limitations. Let's say you just, you're fighting a Sith. But with the Sith code, if they see one of their own people that are weak, they will kill them. So now you can use that against them. Right. Because the thing that the Sith believe their philosophy is you always strive for more power. So if you're an apprentice to someone, eventually you're going to have to challenge your master and kill him to take his place. And even in the story, it mentions that a lot of the wars lose between Jedi and Sith only because the Sith just have too much betrayal in their own ranks. That if they all united, they would be the greatest force in the universe or the greatest powerhouse. But since their core philosophy is always grabbing power whenever you can, it's just going to cause self-destruction. Makes sense. So it goes to show both sides, you know, of how each is illogical and fallacy. And, and again, Kraya wanted to get out of that mindset. She want everyone wanted to be in the middle, but she took it to the extreme saying she doesn't want everyone to be in the middle. She just wants the force out of the equation completely because then, everybody's just left to their own devices. The people who feel the force will be forced to live without it and then see how life is like like that. That's why Kreia idolizes your character a little bit because your character went to go fight in war for noble causes, right? And at the end of the war, purposely or subconsciously cut herself off from the force and came back to feel the force again while you're playing the game that's leveling up when you level up you're just slowly bringing back your connection to the force and that's Kreia's like you're my ultimate student because you have not only seen the dark side and the light side but you've also had the third factor which is everybody else not having it and she within herself is a great example of how philosophical a game can get, right? And it's just this one character. And she continuously promotes ideas of, um, of you know, self, um, what's the word, self-centered or like putting yourself forward all the time, right? But she also believes in doing something, right? If you don't do anything, you're not contributing to any side. Apathy is death. Apathy is death. Apathy is death. Why is it death? Because even a dead body can give nutrients to animals, to the forest, 
to the bugs. But when you choose not to do anything, you're not even giving nutrients to something. You're just completely out of the equation. And it's kind of funny with her because she she promotes that and her ultimate justification of that is killing the force. So Kodor, short little uh, conclusion. Kodor is just a game about a character rediscovering themselves. But rediscovering themselves... It's a coming-of-age game. It's a coming-of-age story. But um, it's about finding your identity and not only finding it, but understanding your identity because you could choose your identity right but you got to really sit down and take a moment and decide like what are what are the actions that that have put me on that uh track and not only that what consequences have i caused either light or dark side it's about self-discovery it's about um the consequences of continuous wars it's about the after effects of war where there's not just the main people suffering, but everybody else in the galaxy, all the regular people. It's about power control where a Jedi might claim to gain power for righteous intentions, but at what cost, right? Does that mean that they have to uh, align with a whole different, you know, code that they have to follow a code just to be a good person? Right? Or is the Sith all about just killing people? Or is it about them understanding their full potential and not blocking their feelings away, but accepting it? It's a very complex game, to say the least. So the question is, since this is a game you grew up with and it changed your ideas of Star Wars and everything, yes. what side did you choose? First time playthrough? I always, I went light side. I went light side male. Ultimately, what side did you choose in life? Light side male. Because <laughs> I want to be a good guy. I always try to do the good things. You know, on my first run through, funny enough, Kreia hated me. Uh, because, again, remember I told you, um, she uh, promotes self-worth and people realizing to put better themselves in a position. In my run through, I always put myself in the shittiest situations just to save a life, you know, and she hated me at the end. She considered me like a failed student because unfortunately I stuck to the code of the Jedi. So she hated me. She hated me as the um, as a, a light side Jedi, because, again, I enforced the code of the Jedi. I basically said, no, I'm a good boy, you know, but here's the other side. When I went full evil, she also hated me. The only time she didn't hate me is when the conversation comes up and you can kind of twist her words to, to not twist her words, but agree with her on certain situations of putting yourself forward. And it's not, and, and sometimes you get light side points and dark side points. Sometimes when you answer with, you're just putting yourself in the better position, you get neither. You just get experience points. In the gameplay, that means you just understand. It's not a light side thing. It's not a dark side thing. You're not picking a position. You just understand her side. I think the ultimate, that's what the ultimate uh, 
lesson is that there is no light side. There is no dark side. Exactly. There's just decisions and consequences. Decisions and consequences. You could have a code telling you how to stop yourself, not to love or whatever. One of the biggest issues in the Jedi Order, um, just a side thing, is love, right? Because they fear that if you love someone and when they die, you will be angry and you'll be you will be like bloodthirsty and you will fall to your dark emotions. Anakin. Anakin, correct. But you look at Corridor 1 and you look at a character named Joe Lee, um, Joe Lee Bindo. He loved another Jedi and she died in war. And what he do, he just, he self-reflected and understood her position in life because he was against her going. But she went anyways for noble intentions but he didn't fall to the dark side. All literally all Jedi will say that if you form attachments, eventually you'll fall to the dark side. But Jolie Bindo is the ultimate example of you could just love someone and then lose them and then just come to terms with it. And it's not a light side. It's not a dark side thing. It's just a human nature thing. And I like that aspect of the Jedi where because, again, I agree with Crayon on the parts of the Jedi Order can be so fucking strict. They gatekeep information. And the thing is, when you hide information, you disallow people to see that other perspective and then come to terms with it. Now, I'm not saying there wouldn't be fallen Jedi or people would take that lesson too extreme. But you're denying people the ability to learn. Censorship. Censorship. <laughs> Jedi Censorship. <laughs> They spread their Jedi propaganda. But very quickly, uh, and but on that other side, if you have no control, then there is just absolute chaos. There's people killing each other just for anything. One of my this is separate. This is a separate story, but this this is another aspect of love that I want to carry uh talk about very quickly. Now the Jedi, they don't allow love because you could fall on the dark side. Now, what about the dark side? Do they have any limits to love? No. Love power. You can love whoever you want, right? But here's the crazy thing. The dark side, it gains its power through your emotions, through your anger and hate and stuff like that. A character named Malgus in the uh, Star Wars MMO game, he fell in love with a Twi'lek woman and they loved each other, right? Like I'm talking about they really did care for each other to a point where like Magnus saw that as a weakness, Right. So during a battle, he was outnumbered and he was getting over comfort and everything, looked at his lover, somebody who he truly did love and killed her and didn't kill her just because like, oh, I'm just going to, you know, kill her so they don't she, she doesn't suffer. He killed her so he could be angry and then seep in the dark side of the emotions that he has and then kill the whole like group of people. And it's just reaffirming that aspect that to them, love, no matter if it's real or not, it's just another form of control. It's another chain to be broken off so then you could reach your full potential. They allow right. themselves to love so Weaponized that they can kill love. it. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of why um, I like the scene in uh, Star Wars. I think it's A Force Awakens where uh, Han Solo dies, where Ben... That's like probably one of the best parts of the uh, sequel trilogy is that um, our the character Ben Ki uh, Ben Kano uh, what, what's his name Kylo Ren but his real name is I think is like 
Ben something. Ben 10. Ben Solo. Ben Solo. Uh, that's his name. Um, he um, asks his dad, like, I need your help with something. I, I need to do this so I could, like, become my full potential. And he's, like, essentially crying, right? And then the audience is tricked of thinking, like, oh, maybe he's going to return to the light or whatever. Nope, just fucking lightsabers Han Solo right in the chest and then falls and dies. <laughs> It's hilarious. It, yeah, it's hilarious, but um, but in the aspect of it, like the whole overall meaning, I think that is a pretty good scene because again, he's like, he's in conflict with himself, you know, the Jedi within him, and like the full potential rising, and he's using love as the catalyst to break it because love is the thing that shackles him. Gotcha. All right. Yes. Any closing thoughts? Closing thoughts, you should give Kodor 2 a try if you never played it. It's a very thought-provoking game, uh, as I explained. Um, the gameplay is dated. It's very dated, um, so you're going to have to, like, challenge you that. And I will not blame anyone. But so, to, like, talk about the gameplay. Like, I, I don't know what kind of game it is. It's a RPG. Um, like, what do you do exactly? You just um, press in commands, and then they just do it for you so and you can pause yeah it's well it's a mixture you could pause it and then cue a bunch of actions and then unpause it and just do this and they do everything by themselves and then like are enemies like freely walking around the world no no um it's more it's as it's more like um it's an older game so it's like not an open world so it's more like you go into situations and you fight you know okay but it's not but in the sense of an open world, it's not like you go, you run around, then you get in your own miniature dimension fight. It's just you're like you're walking around, some guys getting hassled by uh, two guys, and you get interject and say, "Hey, leave that guy alone." And depending on what decision you make, either you save the dude to later on rob him yourself <laughs> and then kill him, so you could get those sweet juicy dark side points, or you save him. Uh, you know, through the combat, you know, right after the dialogue between the two bullies, then combat starts. Right. And, it, and again, it's not like a flashy thing. It's just go. You Got know, it. you're just Got walking it. around. It's like, go. Understood. And um, it's dated. That's the thing. It's very dated. It's, and then your NPCs are like, do they fight with you? Do you also control them? You, or? you, you can let them auto stuff, but it's, you know, it, it's kind of a strategy game. So you line up your queue of actions, then you go over to them and line up their queue of actions. Gotcha. Okay. So, uh, if you want a quick example, um, if I'm playing a Jedi Guardian, um, which is like swords mostly build, like mostly you do uh, uh, sword based attacks, right? So what I'm going to be doing is doing like flirty hit, critical hit, and power hit. And that's a line of queue, uh, queue of, um, actions and then it automatically just starts those cue of actions and you see the little animations play out um but before the game i pause go over to like my jedi sentinel who does buffs and then just line up their whole thing of buffs gotcha okay i got you. yeah so that's how the gameplay is if you like that gameplay um i personally like it because um i like having control of my npcs like one of my favorite uh rpg games is final fantasy uh 12 the one with van or vash um, and the reason why I like that one is because you could cue actions and set prerogatives. The only thing you can't do in um, Kodor 2 is set prerogatives. That it's, it's way too early for that. You know, it's an early game. So you can't make it so at this percentage of health, use this move. Right, right, yeah. right. They're like, 
It's just doing an action rather than reacting to the situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, right. And that's the game. Um, again, I recommend any any Star Wars fan, anyone who's like a straight up Star Wars fan who has never played this game, fucking play it. <laughs> fucking play this game. I was going to say, if you don't know Marcus, um, he's talking about Star Wars half the time anyway. So I realized this was just an re- excuse for you to talk about Star Wars for about an hour. Yes, yes, because <laughs> Star Wars is awesome. But I really did enjoy the game. It's funny that um, the game I chose when I do my episode, uh, there's a lot of similar themes. Yeah. You're going to see a lot of very That's similar cool. themes. Well, it's a, a war is a very intense theme, in especially in games. Not when it's like a World War II-based game. I think... Conflict in general. Yeah, conflict in general. It's like a very... I'm not going to say it's an easy way to tell a story. It's a great, great way. It's a great ship to travel on while you're going through the narratives and like the themes of the underlying stories. Exactly. And um, again, conflict is again, such a part of like, um, like our culture to begin with, you know, histories of wars and stuff like that. So it's, we have like a real life thing to base upon. And it's, it's even though it's star Wars, even though it's, it's uh fiction, right? That's the word. It's fiction. Um, it still can give a great narrative underlying message, and it's and it's and I like the message is is it's not a basic war is bad, right? It's more of war happens, and this is what happens around it, and the important parts usually is you know within the war itself, but the people around it who gets affected by it. Even people not affected by it do get affected by it. And you could relate it to any time period in fucking history, you know, like that type of concept. But it's very important to go over, cover. Um, Again, a great ship to analyze these uh, qualities in a game and the story. But yes, play the game if you haven't. Uh, If the gameplay is too much for you, I understand. Just power through it if you can. And yeah, that's my analyzation of a uh, Codor 2. I hope you enjoyed it. As much right. as I like talking about it. All right. Catch you guys next time. Bye-bye. <laughs>